Hey Alexa, why don't you play Seven Rings by Ariana Grande? Probably should. What a start. <laughs> what a start. Tom Brady has won his seventh Super Bowl ring. That and more coming up next on the Takes on Tap show. I'ma knock it out the park, Louisville slugger Got a chick wearing crop top, nothing else under Drop a gear, speed and pass, finish first, burn rubber Get your girl off of me, bro, no I don't want her Alrighty, and welcome in guys And yes, yes, this is the Takes on Tap show And as always, I'm Scott Kirk with Brandon Daniels And what a week we have for you uh, We're just coming off of Super Bowl 55 And my oh my, that was a real stinker one of the worst games that we've had in, in recent memory in the Super Bowl. I mean, we were just talking about it before the show. We'll get into it in the segment, the difference between Super Bowl 50 and this one. This was a game that we talked about as one of the greatest quarterback matchups we've ever seen in a Super Bowl. Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes, the GOAT versus the GOAT, or the future GOAT. Um, and that it just didn't live up to the hype whatsoever. For sure. But before that, let's just try to like look at the bright side of things, right? At least the weekend was good. And I think it's important to acknowledge, at least we got the Super Bowl. Because if you go back to like six months ago, uh, we were worried that we wouldn't even get an, an NFL. And we were worried that we wouldn't even get an NFL season. Period. Right. And the fact that we got a Super Bowl, uh, that I'm at least thankful for. Right. I mean, commercials are funny. I got to go back home. Right. You got to hang out with friends. Like, let's just be happy that there was a game to watch. Right. Yeah. I mean, we look in comparison to other sports that kept getting shut down. The NFL never shut down. Uh, there was one game that was postponed by a week, and that was it. The Ravens-Steelers game, I think, it was postponed a week, and that was it. And we were extremely lucky to be able to have an NFL season as normal as it could have been with what was going on in the world. So, once again, Super Bowl, yes, it was disappointing, but we got a great season nonetheless, and I couldn't be happier. Hey, we even got a couple Scientology commercials yeah, during we the did. game. So, Scientology I mean, TV. A lot of firsts uh, for the Super Bowl, <laughs> yeah. right? First home team to win it. First home team, to, first home team to play in the Super Bowl, right? So, I mean, just 2021, man. That's uh, 2021. I thought 2020 was wild, but this year is shaping up to be uh, a, a big competitor. Yeah, and speaking of first, I have a little bit of a stat for you as we actually get into the Super Bowl and what actually happened. Yeah, let's, let's break it down, right? Let's let's give these post game reactions. It's still fresh in the mind, right? We've we've had about maybe I don't know 14 hours or so to soak things in. Let's. Let's try to assess everything. All right, so here's the stat. This is Patrick Mahomes' first loss as a professional by more than eight points. Read only that, and it was in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and my, my reaction for, for Patrick Mahomes is that I, I, I've seen a lot of people on social media who are like, oh, Patrick Mahomes is overrated, he sucks. Can we all just shut it down, please? Exactly. Let's just shut it down. Great quarterbacks are allowed to have bad games. That Just because you lose the Super Bowl doesn't mean that you're overrated or that you suck, right? Good quarterbacks are allowed to lose big games. Right. They are. And, and the fact of the matter is that Patrick Mahomes, for the first time in his career, actually felt helpless and frustrated. I thought that was really interesting to watch. Uh, not the actual game, because that one was a real stinker. <laughs> but I, I think the most entertaining part, I mean, I say entertaining in a mean way, but... The fact that we got to see Patrick Mahomes actually flustered for the first time in his career, pretty amazing. It was a humanizing moment. And on the grandest stage of them all as well. Yeah, I mean, for a guy that, once again, has never lost a game by more than eight points as a pro, um, and this is the first, this is the second time that he's thrown for zero touchdowns and two picks in his career. The, it was a week five win against Jacksonville a couple of years ago. Um, but like you said, this is the first time I've ever seen Mahomes struggle, like really struggle. 
and there was nothing his weapons could do about it. There was nothing that his defense could do about it. And it just proves that, one, he's human, and two, Tom Brady is the greatest football player of all time. There's no question about it. The greatest living football player ever, right? We're, we're going to talk about Patrick Holmes in a minute, but let's go to the man that really deserves all the talk. Tom Brady. My, oh, my. And I think it's, it, I think it's clear. Um, can we all agree that the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneer version of Tom Brady is more likable than the New England Patriot Tom Brady? Oh, Way yeah. more likable. Oh, yeah. I mean, he smiles more, he's better looking, he's funnier. I'm sorry, but when he was in New England, he was never as funny as he is in Tampa Bay. Uh, his Instagram posts were not as entertaining. Everything. I mean, I'm watching the pregame show, and he's talking to Lex Lumpkin over at Nickelodeon and, 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 and the little girl. I forget her name. But Tom Brady is like, man, I like this guy. Like, I want to be, be his friend. I, yeah. I was never, I was never, uh, I, I was never shown that set of Tom Brady in New England. Yeah, I think in New England you saw it was the you got to work hard, you're a grinder. He had this whole TB12 mentality that, of course, is still there, which is what we saw yesterday in the Super Bowl. But we saw everything that was going on in his life, everything that we saw was just working hard and grinding, and, and that's how you get success. Right, we never really saw Tom Brady as like a happy-go-lucky guy, and I think the main reason for it, he's taking advantage of the opportunity that he has left. I think in New England, he got into this rut that okay, every year we're gonna win games, we have the same team, we're gonna win it the same way, and as much as the Patriot way worked, it worked for 20 years, it gets boring and it gets tiring after a while. And to have Brady go to a team that's much more relaxed in the Bruce Arian system, where he can really stretch the ball down the field. Uh, we saw him work with some of the Patriot guys, but he still had a new a new team, new place. Everything was great for him, and that's why I think he was so happy because he just he was like, I don't have a lot of years left. I know he wants to play past 45, but he knows he doesn't have a lot of years left, and he's taking advantage of every opportunity that he has. Yeah, uh, he he's, he feels like he's definitely set free. E- even pregame, he's, he's walking up to the stadium. I mean, guy looks like a true Florida man. Uh, <laughs> you know, Q Kodak Black in the background. Guy's rolling up, no mask, looking like a badass. He's got the polo shirt. Yeah. He's got the Tommy Hilfiger glasses, the shades, all of it. He's rolling up like a act like like he's rolling up like a true pro man and uh i, I think it's really fun to watch uh, you know tom brady really really likable and I, I feel like for for the majority of people it, it was pretty hard to root against him yeah i mean look i'm a colts fan i've rooted against tom brady my entire life that's our ritual and even for me it was hard to root against tom brady i think there's something something's changed about him that i don't even age, i can't even probably. i mean that may be a factor um, but when you see success, like we saw, just saw with Tom Brady, it's like, hey, I, I can't do anything but respect you. And, and as you know, as much as I want to, to, to say otherwise, I respect Tom Brady, and I think he, you know, he deserves this more than anyone. And we could say, oh, he's already won six Super Bowls. He doesn't need a seventh. Yeah, he does. That was a big thing for him because his entire career, he's been under Belichick, and he's been in the Patriots, in the Patriots organization. Everyone's saying, who's, you know, Brady's assistant quarterback. It's all Belichick. Look what Belichick just did with the weapons that he, they had. And, I mean, look, this is a big thing for Brady. He just proved, like, hey, I'm better than Belichick. I'm the greatest of all time. There's nothing you can do about it, and you can't do anything but respect that. Yeah, and for all, for, for all of our listeners, for the next week, and you're going to hear from us and everyone else, everyone around the media is going to be saying the same thing, and that's because it's nothing but facts. Uh, this, for sure, definitely is his most impressive Super Bowl ring. 
100,000%. This is his most impressive. They're 7-5 and five in November, and we're here talking about maybe that, that they're a borderline playoff team and that they're going to fall apart because they have no chemistry. And next thing you know, they come out of nowhere and they win the Super Bowl. I, I know last week I, I chose the Chiefs. Both of us did. Yeah, we right? did. But I... Not to contradict myself, but I, I knew that you know deep down in my gut, Buccaneers were were, were going to come in there and, and maybe whoop, whoop some tail. The issue here was that Kansas City was so good. How could you root against them, right? Yeah. Because they have done nothing but prove me wrong. It's I choose the Raiders to beat them for a second time, and guess what? Kansas City wins with less than thirty seconds left. Continuously, Kansas City just kept winning, and I couldn't go against them. But I had a feeling that Tampa Bay would come in there and shock the world, and they did, right? They absolutely did. And I think it's important to talk about the Tom Brady effect. Brandon, what is the Tom Brady effect in the Super Bowl? Tom Brady, this is very interesting because for me, this was Tom Brady's Super Bowl. This wasn't the Bucks Super Bowl. This wasn't Bruce Arians' Super Bowl. This was Tom Brady's Super Bowl. All four of his touchdowns, one rushing, three passing, went to players that came to Tampa Bay after Brady got there. Two to Gronkowski, a rushing touchdown by Fournette, and a passing touchdown, or receiving touchdown by Antonio Brown. All guys who have played with Brady before except for Fournette, but all guys who have got to Tampa Bay after Brady got there because they wanted to play with Tom Brady. And that is the Brady effect. That is the guy. That makes it seem, for me, that makes it all the more sweeter. Because if you throw to Mike Evans, you throw to Chris Godwin, those guys have already been there. Those, those are Tampa Bay guys. These guys are Brady guys. And that, to me, proves that this was Tom Brady's Super Bowl. And to me, that's the Brady effect right there. Yeah, 100%. And once again, this game was absolutely ugly to watch. I mean, after the Leonard Fournette touchdown in the third quarter, you just knew it was over. You knew it was absolutely over, right? And to talk about Patrick Mahomes for a sec, um, he's still a fantastic quarterback. He's still arguably the number one quarterback in the league, arguably, right? But I I think that uh, a lot of times, to reach the mountaintop, you have to fall. Yeah, I think you have to fall, and I think this was the fall for Patrick Mahomes, right? This is maybe a taste of the future, right? Because let's be honest here, going forward, Patrick Mahomes is going to make a lot more money than he is now, which means that the Chiefs are not going to have as much money to, to to put talent around him, right? Especially on the offensive line, right? He's he's looking there, he's trying to make plays. He reminded me a lot of Russell Wilson, right? Russell Wilson was in the press box and he was probably laughing to himself. He was like. Well, this Patrick, is what it's like. now you know what it's like, bud. Now you know what it's like, because this is what I had to freaking go through, right? Yeah. And, you know, we, we had guys dropping balls. Uh, the whole team just looked out of sync, and Patrick Mahomes uh, just kept running backward. I think he scrambled for about 500 yards before we actually completed a pass, right? Yeah, he threw. He scrambled for 500 yards before either getting sacked or throwing a pass, which is the most by any player this season. Yeah, and again, absolutely amazing to see him truly, truly flustered. But I, I think he's going to learn from it, right? Because, you know, Tom Brady, when, when, when he got rocked by, by Eli Manning and the Giants, right, they come back stronger, right? He, he's like, okay, well, now I know what it's like to lose. Yeah. And that, that's where the greatness happens. Right, so Patrick Mahomes, now, now, now that the silver spoon is, is on the floor, he's, he's going to have to show that, uh, hey, you know, I, I can come back from this. You know, our, our team just got to get better. And I gotta learn how to adapt and overcome. This is really going to test the Kansas City front office. This is the difference between having a really good football team and having a dynasty. Because now, once you start paying Patrick Mahomes, you're gonna have to figure out okay, which players do we wanna keep and which players do we wanna let go? Because you're gonna have to let guys go. That's how it works. And you're gonna have to work through the draft, you're gonna have to work through free agency. How can you get guys on the cheap to be able to produce the same way that these guys that you have now 
are going to be able to produce? That's the question. That's what makes a dynasty. That's why New England was so good for 20 years, because they just kept bringing in guys on the cheap, sixth rounders, undrafted, free agents, all guys that were just able to produce, and they just kept going through that cycle. And that's what makes a good dynasty, and that's what I'm very curious to see with uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I I think it's just the wake-up call that they needed, because in in the regular season, right, they lost to the Raiders, but yeah, big whoop, it's the regular season, it's the Raiders. It happens. Right? And then, obviously, they, they... they set out their starters, and you know they they really didn't play well in December. But we were we weren't really too worried. But again, I, I think this game against Tampa Bay was exactly the wake up call that the Chiefs needed. But going forward, right, um, questions have to be answered. Right, um, is Tampa Bay as dominant next year? Do they keep guys like Antonio Brown? Do they keep guys like Fournette who are on one-year deals? Uh, Gronkowski said, hey, I'm, I'm pretty sure I won't retire. So Brady, he already said he's coming back. Yeah. Right? Arians is going to be 68, 69 years old. So can Tampa Bay be as dominant? Right? Because it still looks to me that the Buccaneers haven't even played their best football yet. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they're only going up. And like you said, the big question is these guys on one-year deals, are they going to come back and – To be honest, I'm very curious about Leonard Fournette more than any player on this roster because he's on a one-year deal, he's a young guy who's a pro bowler, and he has the potential to be an all-pro running back. He's that good. So is he going to go play on the cheap for Tampa Bay again? I don't know about that. Maybe he will, but that's a question that needs to be answered very quickly. See, the funny thing about Leonard Fournette is that in, in the regular season, Ronald Jones did all the work in that Tampa Bay Buccaneer running game. But once January hit... Leonard Fournette took the entire running game on his shoulders and just ran with it. And I, I, I think th- there's a huge re- recency bias, right? And not to take anything away from Fournette, I knew he had it in him, but it, it is going to be interesting to it is going to be interesting to see how how teams look at that, right? His regular season production was low, but his postseason production was really incredible. So I think that's really something to watch out for. Yeah, and I mean, if they do get rid of Leonard Fournette for some reason. They have Ronald Jones at running back. And, okay, you're not going to be running running back by committee, which is what they were doing the entire season. But it, the big question is, are they going to bring it, are they going to bring it back? Because if they don't, then they're going to have to really switch up your running game. Because I don't know if Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be ready to play next year. Um, he wasn't a talented runner. I know he, had, he dealt with injuries, but he's not the same guy as Leonard Fournette. So that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, 100%. And, and once again, got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, you know, Todd Bowles on that defense, man. If he keeps it up, he's definitely going to get another coaching job. I, yeah. I know he used to coach the Jets, but let me just say, like, if, if Todd Bowles keeps up with that defense, he's going to be in line to get a, a big coaching job. And as he should. He's one of the better coordinators in the game right now. Uh, and, you know, again, I'm just thankful we have Super Bowl for sure. Yeah, I mean, with all the things that are going on, we've been talking about it already before, but with all the things that are going on, the fact that we got a Super Bowl uh, as normal as we could, there were fans in the stadium, and look, that, that I'm just happy for that. And hey, how about that halftime show? Not too bad. You know, not too bad at all. I mean, uh, that that little instance where he had the camera and he was like moving around the room. It was like a funhouse mirror, I think. Yeah, I liked like it. I, I was it was fan. interesting. But one thing that I was thinking about throughout the entire show. So after I forgot what the order was, but when they got onto the field with the dancers and the masks, I don't remember there ever being a halftime show where they were actually on the field. They've always been on a platform or stage. Yeah, like that's the yeah. first time they were actually on the field. So the NFL, I mean, that's that, I mean, like you think about it as such a minor thing. Oh, they're just in the field. Who cares? But like that's a game field that they got to play on for the Super Bowl. It's a playing field, man. And that's what, the first time. One of those dancers takes a hard cut, 
And next thing you know, Tyreek Hill could break his ankle because of that. Yeah, and it, it's, a big it's, deal. it's crazy how that, that, that all went down. But to be honest, the, the show is good. I think I think a lot of people are making it a meme, the whole thing in the mirror. But I thought it was cool. I thought it was inventive. They did a lot of they did a bunch of extra things. It went a lot like faster than I thought it would. Yeah. It was only like 15 minutes long, and they didn't do any cuts. So I, I thought it was really good. A good little short halftime show. The best they could have done in the situation. So all props to The weekend and everyone who's involved with that. Well, also, you know, I, I think it's important to note that, um, you know, I, I didn't know this, actually, but, um, you know, he didn't get paid to do that. Really? That's a free halftime show, so I, I, I guess the part that you get paid for would be advertisements and, and getting your name out there, but that's a free show. He paid $7 million to have the show, like, his way, because otherwise they wouldn't have been able to do that stuff. Right, I mean... Because, you know, in, 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 in any other year, I think, um, like, you know, he, he could have got what he wanted, but I guess... With all the circumstances, they were going to cut the halftime show short. And he was like, nope, nope, I'm going to make this a good show. So he paid $7 million just to make it a good show. Yeah, I mean, I think the majority of that is just because of the fact that I don't think he's having a, I don't think he's had a live show since before COVID. So it's been a really long time for him where he's been able to perform in front of people. It's, it's obviously something that's always been in his mind. So if I were him, paying $7 million to get your show your way, I would have done that. Yeah, shout out to the weekend, man. Uh, honestly... Not not a bad performance, and, and also like I feel like if you're performing a Super Bowl halftime show, I, I think like the most important thing you're looking for is is for a meme. Like look at all the memes we've had for halftime shows, right? Uh, Katy Perry shark, that's a meme. Uh, when Justin Timberlake did it in Minnesota, that kid right behind him, uh. th- that's another meme, right? Uh, lots of memes have come from the Super Bowl halftime shows, and again for for, for the weekend to do that, um, you know. Got got to give recognition where it's due because that that's a damn pretty funny one. Yeah, I mean it. It was a great day. I mean, look, the game itself wasn't amazing, Sucked. but we got through an entire Sucked. season. But hey, you know what? Let's get it into some off-season talk because exactly. now that's the best part. It's the best part. Now every team is zero and zero. Exactly. As of today, every team is zero and zero, and we can speculate until things happen. So speaking of speculation. Carson Wentz, his name is floating around again. We all thought he was safe when, you know, the Eagles hired uh, Systems, Systems, Nick Sirianni. But it seems that uh, they are looking to trade Carson Wentz in the coming days. Yeah, and the two teams that are interested right now, the Bears and the Colts, um, right now it's expected that the Bears are actually the favorites over the Colts just due to the fact that my team doesn't want to spend anything and spend any capital, but, you know, it's okay. Well, let me say something. Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni says uh, that the you know first first step to being smart is knowing what to do. Right. <laughs> that, good job, Nick. Great job. Good job, Nick. Um, look, and if I'm the Eagles, here's what I do. Um, I'm gonna give Carson Wentz over to the Colts because it's an AFC opponent. Uh, the Eagles and the Bears are kind of on like the same wavelength, right? Uh, eventually. Uh, they're gonna have to play each other, and they're gonna have to fight for that same wild card spot because the Bears aren't taking the division, and I don't think the Eagles are either. So I I really feel that uh, if I'm the if I'm the Eagles, I'm like you know what, let's keep Carson away from the NFC, let's give him over to the AFC. But like you said, uh, the Colts are incredibly uh, frugal. Yeah, we we just saw it with the Matthew Stafford deal that went down. That well, the Colts didn't obviously get Matthew Stafford, but the reports are coming out that Chris Ballard, the Colts general manager was not willing to give up the 21st pick in the draft to get Stafford. So if you don't want to give your 21st pick to get Matthew Stafford, I can't imagine you trying to give that up for Carson Wentz because, hey, you're cheap. So, look, the Colts and Carson Wentz would be a perfect fit. 
and the only thing that's really stopping it is Chris Ballard. So you got to wait. You got to get your head out of the gutter and and go get your quarterback because if not, you're looking at Kyle Trask or Mac Jones. And sorry, you're not getting to a Super Bowl with Mac Jones or Kyle Trask. Hey man, look, the Photoshop tells all. Just the Photoshop alone tells you that Carson Wentz looks good in blue. Definitely true. Hundred percent, right? And I feel like because of the Matthew Stafford trade, a lot of teams are kind of like in panic mode, right? Obviously, the Bears—they're in panic mode. Uh, the Niners—they—they they might have to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. They don't really know what to do. And again, the Colts—they—they they thought they had Matthew Stafford in the bag, as did a lot of others. And now they don't know what to do. And, of course, Sam Darnold's name is being flown around. We don't know what's going to happen there as well because uh, Washington is making calls about him. Washington's also making calls about uh, other quarterbacks, maybe in free agency, Jameis Winston. We we really don't know. But Chicago right now is supposed to be the frontrunner for Carson Wentz. Here's the thing about Chicago, which is should be nerve-wracking to Colts fans. Chicago will overpay for quarterbacks because we just saw them do it with Nick Foles. And... I wouldn't be surprised if they gave Mitchell Trubisky another contract, or an extension on his contract, so they overpay for their quarterback because that's all they really need. They have a good defense. If they keep Allen Robinson, they have a solid enough offense to get them to the next level. All they need is a quarterback. They're basically the budget version of the Colts. And so the Bears, unlike the Colts, are willing to overspend on a quarterback, and I wouldn't be surprised if they gave a pretty much all their future capital and get Carson Wentz. Yeah, honestly, I, I think Matt Nagy uh, for the Bears gets too much hate. I actually don't think he's a terrible coach. I think the fact that he was able to get to eight wins with uh, Mr. Trubisky and Nick Foles at quarterback was pretty remarkable. He did make the playoffs. You can't take it away from him. Not only that, two years ago, he went 12-4 and with Mitchell Trubisky. 12-4. and That's not Mitch Trubisky. Uh, that's That's coaching. And I, I think I think Matt Nagy deserves a fair shot with a solid enough quarterback, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something there. I don't think he's a bad coach whatsoever. But, look, offense, he's still not he, – this offense is still not good. Offense should not be this hard. There's no way that this that running a professional offense is that difficult. Hey, ask Adam Gase. You know, he, he it's pretty hard for him. Yeah, but the Jets don't, don't have pieces. The Bears just had Jimmy Graham. Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, they still can't figure it out. Granted, they went 8-8, eight eight, but that was a big factor of their defense. Well, I, I just don't see, as, as good as Matt Nagy may be, there has to be a limit when you can say, okay, this is a product of your roster, and it's just a pro, or it's a product of you're just not a great coach on offense. And I'm sorry, but it's starting to lean towards the other side. And I, look, I, I, I have all, a lot of respect for Matt Nagy because dealing with a guy like Mitch Trubisky, not to say he's a bad quarterback, but in this league, you got to have an A quarterback to be able to get to the next level. And he's been able to go to the playoffs two years out of three with the B quarterback. And I, I give him a lot of props for that. But C offense should not be this hard. C quarterback. Borderline C quarterback. C yeah. plus quarterback. Okay. C we'll plus player. That. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, again. And I, I know we said it two weeks ago and the week, week the week before and the week before, but Deshaun Watson still has not been moved, and that's kind of right now um, floating dead. Who knows? Maybe the Bears grab Deshaun Watson. Like he's he's also still available, right? Yeah. Uh, head coach David Culley of the Texans, you know, he was like, hey, you know, as far as I know, Deshaun's still a member of the Texans when I was hired. Deshaun's still a member of the Texans. That's why I took this job, right? Uh, personally, I still don't think he's going anywhere. Um, I know Deshaun Watson has leverage, but I just I feel like at this rate, um, they're just kind of like really waited out. Like if, if Deshaun Watson gets moved, he won't be moved in in March or April. He'll be moved in like August or September. Yeah, Deshaun Watson. Here's 
the, the situation that I'm seeing is is really bad because if if the Texans keep Deshaun Watson, this is Deshaun Watson does not want to play for the Houston Texans. It's an ongoing weekly thing, really. It's like a it's like a continuation of a saga. Like we haven't really gotten much news yet, obviously because of the Super Bowl. But hopefully some some more stuff comes out because right now we're again we're, we're in limbo. Yeah, and look, Deshaun Watson. If he wants to, look, he definitely wants to leave Houston. That's no question. And Houston doesn't want to let him leave. So what, I'm very curious to see how this plays out because Deshaun Watson, if he, since he has a no trade clause, he can he can say, I don't like this trade. Obviously, the Texans aren't going to get to this point that I'm about to make. But Deshaun Watson, if he was in a position to, to accept a trade, he'd take a, look, if, if, the, if someone offered the Texans four first-round picks, that's vastly underpaid for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson would want to take that. He would definitely want to take that. But obviously, Houston won't. Unless it's a team he doesn't like. But I think at this point, if the more that this keeps going, the lower his standards are going to get. And he's going to end up going to Carolina or he's going to go to Chicago. And maybe he wants to go to those two teams, but I haven't heard that yet. So, How about a, th- a, a scenario I heard right from, uh, fr- from across the block? Carolina, what if they offered a couple first-round picks? Three first-round picks, right? Christian McCaffrey and Teddy Bridgewater. I think that would be enough. And wait, and Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. And I don't even think they need three first-round picks for that. Exactly, because really, if you're going to give Christian McCaffrey up and Teddy Bridgewater, if you're Houston, that's enough to jumpstart a rebuild right there. You have a running back. You have a quarterback who's good enough. And you have a, at least a first-round pick to get a player to build around. That would be a fantastic trade. Now, whether the Panthers would actually do it, I don't think they would, but I heard this from a couple Panthers fans on the internet, and I thought it'd be interesting to talk about because they were like, oh, you know, Mike Davis last year, uh, he was pretty solid, he was productive, and if he can just be good enough, then that's good enough for us. Well, guess what? Christian McCaffrey's better than good enough. <laughs> better than good enough is going to win you more football games. So I don't know if I'd do that, but it's definitely um, a better scenario than giving up six first-round picks. I have a good comparison to um, how you we can kind of look at running backs. Do you remember how good Tariq Cohen was like two years ago? Very good. He was the guy. He was a game breaker receiver. Hey, David returner, Johnson too. David Johnson. These are two guys that everyone's like. You can build a franchise around these guys. You, Isaiah Crowell. These exactly. These are guys that we said you don't need another running back. If you're Carolina and you say Mike Davis is good enough, I. You have Christian McCaffrey, one of the best running, a top three running back in the NFL. I don't see a reason why you would want to give that up, even if you do get Deshaun Watson out of that, because I don't think that's enough. Because this team, Carolina is not a bad team. Yet, do they need a quarterback? Yeah, but I don't really think they're a bad team enough to say, hey, we're going to give up our whole future for Deshaun Watson. They do need defense, but there's a big difference between good enough and top three running back in the NFL. And yeah. I don't know if I would want to rely on good enough at running back, especially if I'm Carolina. But on the flip side, if you're Houston, you're taking that because, again, you have you know a star running back who can at least you know move the ball. I'm pretty sure you know that the Denver Broncos way back in November, when they didn't have a quarterback, they would have been comfortable putting Christian McCaffrey back there getting some snaps. <laughs> yeah. Right? So you know Christian McCaffrey, you know he can do it all, and I, I think that that would be a good move. Again, I don't think it would happen. Uh, I don't think it will happen. But it's definitely fun to think about. A lot of fun things to think about. And, and that's what makes the offseason so fun, right? Uh, you know, the closer and closer we get to April, the closer and closer we get to the draft, right? Like, the combine will start soon, and, you know, we're going to give you some, some more ex- ex- exclusive content uh, leading up to that, right? Uh, we, we're just really excited. We are very excited. But I've been thinking about this in my head since last night. 
what are we going to do without football? Like, I don't know. Be just fine. We got baseball coming around the corner. That's true. We got the, you know, NFL draft and trades. I'm, I I know I'll do. We're going to be just fine. We're going to be just fine. We got this. No problem. No problems at all. But you know what's not a problem? Invader Coffee. Let me tell you about my sponsor real quick. Invader Coffee, they're a small batch air roasted coffee company, right? They're veteran owned and they're from Austin, Texas. Did you know that just 1% of the world's coffee is air roasted? Yeah, 1%. That's pretty low. Makes it pretty rare, too. Invader Coffee takes pride in having the best-tasting coffee. They ship fast and fresh every day. I came here this morning on a flight from Miami. No sleep. Guess what? I had myself a cup of joe from Invader Coffee. I feel like I'm a 1,000% better. Invader Coffee. You, if, you, if you need a little boost or you just want to have something that tastes good, there's nothing better than Invader Coffee. You know it. I know it. I had it last week. Now you have it this week. And not only that, all their coffee is available for subscription, right? Select the one you want, how often you want it, and that's it. That is it. At checkout, use our code BELLYUP for 15% off your order. Once again, the code BELLYUP at checkout for 15% off your order at InvaderCoffee.com. All right, I know you just had your Invader Coffee, so you're ready to go. Ready Let's, to go, man. I am all jacked up. Let's go. Let's get into some NBA talk. We, we're going to do this on a weekly segment now because we that's the one of the better sports that we have now. So let's move into one of the biggest storylines in the NBA, Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Right now they're sitting at 12-11. and 11. They're 7th in the Western Conference. Steph Curry, uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up, he just scored 57 against Dallas and lost. So the big question is, is just him enough to get Golden State into the postseason? Definitely not, man. I mean, look, we saw it earlier, uh, you know, at the end of 2020, I believe. Um, you know, Steph drops, what, 61, and they still lose. Draymond Green scores one point. He's definitely not enough. I don't know what this team has to do. Uh, I think, you know, Clay Thompson is, is really the biggest factor. Without Clay Thompson, you know, the team just doesn't operate as efficiently. You, you, you see it with your own eyes. It's just not the same. Right now, it's just Steph and no one else. Yeah, I mean, this is what we just saw against Dallas is just a microcosm of the entire season. I mean, when you don't have Clay Thompson, like you just said, you don't have another dependable scorer. And on that note, there's only one guy on this team that scored over 30 points that's not named Steph Curry, and that was Kelly Oubre. Um, their first game against Dallas earlier in the week, um, he scored 40, and they won that game. But other than that, no player has ever scored more than 30 points other than Steph Curry this entire season. And, you know, it just goes to show, you know, how, how devastating the loss of, of, of Clay Thompson is to this team, right? Think of their NBA Finals runs. Clay Thompson was a big piece of it. Huge, you know, huge. Um, you know, in in the, in the final series that that they lost against the Raptors, uh, God, when when he when when he tore his ACL, that was really the end of it. Because I feel like even without Kevin Durant, if if Clay Thompson was there, they they at least would have had a better chance to beat the Raptors that year. Yeah, I mean, think about it. In 2015, they won the championship without Kevin Durant, and in 2016, they went 73 and nine without Kevin Durant. Without Kevin Durant. And granted, they won two straight championships when he actually got there. But the importance of Klay Thompson cannot go unnoticed because this guy is one of the better scorers from the outside. And not only that, he provides a really big defensive kick for this team, which is something that they've struggled with all year. They're 24th in points allowed per game. Um, and that's just not going to cut it in today's NBA, especially when you are relying on one guy on offense. If you're relying on one guy on offense, you're expecting your points per game to dip. So with that, you got to be able to step up defensively, and that's just not been the case. Outside of James Wiseman, they have no no interior defenders. Kelly Oubre is a, 
all right uh, he, defender on the outside. But honestly, he's just good looking. That's it. That's that, pretty that, much that, it. That's pretty much it. Kelly Oubre is only on the court just so girls can look at him. And as much as much as we talk about Draymond Green as a good defender a few years ago, he's really fallen off himself, and he hasn't been the same guy um, at the forward position to be able to push this team over the hump on defense and to cause disruptions as teams get in the inside. So if I'm Golden State, you have to figure this out defensively, and you need to get a second score if you're going to try to make a good run at the postseason. Yeah, but if I'm Golden State, am I really going to like try to you know trade more chips just for a star? Or am I just going like, to ride things out and just wait for Clay Thompson to come back? Because is it really worth it at this point? I don't think so. If they make you know, if they make the playoffs, lose in the first round, 6th seed, 7th seed, whatever it may be, that's, I think that's a good season based on what they had. Steph Curry gets a year older. That's fine. Everyone else is young. James Wiseman's young. Kelly Oubre's, I think, 27, 28 years old. They have young pieces. And Clay Thompson, he'll be back next year, and it'll be just fine. So... Is this a lost season? No, but it's a season that we should have expected once we saw Clay Thompson was going to be going to be playing. Yeah, hundred uh, um, percent. Speaking of trades, uh, Derek Rose is going back to New York, uh, right? Yeah. The Knicks—they're uh, not that bad of a team this year. Yeah, believe it or not, the Knicks are pretty solid. Yeah, the Knicks—they um, have—they still have the best defensive rating in the NBA. Um, granted, they're still in the negatives in terms of point differentials, so that's fine. But the the Knicks, they're kind of sneaky good. Uh, we just talked about it a couple weeks ago, how we didn't think the Knicks were making the playoffs, but they have really come to play, and I know the, the acquisition of Derrick Rose um, is really only going to help them get better. They traded away Dennis Smith Jr. and a pick uh, for Rose uh, from Detroit. So do we look at the Knicks as a, as a team that could upset a higher seed in the first round of the playoffs? That's the real question. Cause oh, so I, I, if we look at the top eight seeds, right, I, I definitely think that the New York will finish at six. I think uh, Charlotte will drop down, to, uh, drop down to seven, right? They'll stay there. Uh, Atlanta will, will, will fall out and Toronto will climb up. I, again, I, I think that New York has the best shot of beating a team like, surprisingly, the Bucks. Uh, I think it just come out of nowhere. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying it will happen, but I wouldn't be surprised because it, it just seems like this year things are just meant to happen. Yeah. You know, 2021, you know, Buccaneers first home team to win the Super Bowl. Why why can't the New York Knicks upset the Bucks? The Heat did it last year in the bubble. Uh a team that's hot, they feel themselves. That's the way playoffs work, man. Yeah, and I mean, look, it, it kind of returning the Knicks to the glory days of the early 2010s and the Ewing days in the 90s. I mean, the Knicks, I look, I, I used to talk about this with my dad a lot. He hates the Knicks. I don't know why, but he hates the Knicks, mostly because of Carmelo Anthony. He's not a Carmelo Anthony, which is surprising because we're both Syracuse guys. And Anyway, I'm a big Knicks guy. If the Knicks do well, I, I'm happy because I like big market teams, and I, I really like to, to see it's when It's good for the league. It's good for the league, and I, I, the energy in Madison Square Garden the last few years has just not been there. There's just Granted, an emptiness. There's no energy at all this year. Of course, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, it, I, I just feel like in the future, let's let's say the Knicks keep getting better. They, keep, you know, they, they sneak into the playoffs this year. Maybe they get a little bit better, get into the playoffs next year. That's some real energy that I'm excited for. And I'm not even a Knicks fan, really, but I, I would love to see big market teams get into the playoffs. But speaking of markets, let's move over to a small market team that is also in the playoff right, race right now, which is Charlotte. More specifically, let's talk about LaMelo Ball. Over the love last LaMelo six Ball. games, he's averaging 22 points, six rebounds, and six and a half assists which puts the Hornets and his team at 7th in the East. Finally, finally, LaMelo Ball is getting some minutes, man. 
it's about damn time that LaMelo Ball, uh, you know, got got some court time, right? We know he can pass the ball, but, you know, it, it also should be known that he could score as well. Oh, yeah. I love LaMelo Ball coming out of college. I, I love the pick in Charlotte. Uh, Gordon Hayward is, is playing pretty well right now, a lot better than he did in Boston, which is, you know, pretty tough to swallow if you're a green and white fan. But, um, yeah, you know, right now they sit at 11-12, and... Really, a lot of teams right now in the NBA are really bad. You know, so bad that you have like three or four or five teams that are under five hundred that are that are in the playoff race. So honestly, if if the Hornets just keep playing ball and if Lamelo Ball keeps scoring, if Gordon Hayward keeps scoring, um, I I think it's gonna be really interesting to see if if Lamelo Ball can you know do well come May or or, or June when when the playoffs start. Yeah, and and Lamelo Ball, I, he's one of these guys that a lot of people are oh. The NBA and you know ESPN, all they do is talk about Lamelo Ball. They don't talk about any other rookies. He deserves it. He man. deserves it because he right now he's in the lead for Rookie of the Year. I mean, when you have a guy who can score, pass, he can shoot. He's good enough on defense uh, on the outside. He's, I mean, he's a six-seven point guard. So, look, when he makes flashy passes, it's going to be on Sports Center, and when he you know sinks a deep three, it's going to be on Sports Center. So you got to deal with it. But in 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 you know getting back to the actual point the hornets are a sneaky good team i just Very. said about the knicks but the hornets are actually really solid and to me it's more surprising that gordon hayward is doing what he's doing right now than lamelo ball because we had no idea what gordon hayward was going to be like in boston it looked like he was just going to be a spot up shooter and and that was really his role maybe his his you know his leg injury really kept him back so much that he can't attack the room like he used to in utah but now he left Boston, he goes to Charlotte, and it's like he never left Utah in the first place. And, I, hey, all props to him because, you know, I'm a Celtics fan, but I, I've always loved Gordon Hayward. When he was in college at Butler, I loved him. Uh, when he first got to Utah, I loved him even more. And when he got to when he got to Boston reunite with his college coach, Brad Stevens, I mean, that, that I mean it was a great situation for me because as, as, I'm a big fan. But to see Gordon Hayward thrive again is something that I think everyone in the NBA, all NBA fans have been waiting for just because of how good of a guy he is and, and how much of an impact that we know he could make in his career. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, as, we, as you mentioned, right, three really sneaky teams at, at, at the bottom half of the playoff seedings. And it's going to be fun to see how it plays out because right now it's still way too early to tell. But as time moves on, that's when the urgency kicks in. And when the urgency kicks in, that's when things are going to get fun in the East. I got one question for you. We've been watching a lot of football over the last couple of weeks, so we haven't really been paying a ton of attention to the NBA. I want you to guess which team has the best record in the NBA right now. Which team has the best record in the NBA? I'm definitely the Los Angeles Lakers. You are close. You're about a game off, but right now the Utah Jazz have the best record in the NBA, 19-5. and five. We talked about wow. them a couple weeks ago, how what's going on with Utah. They keep winning games. They've won 15 of 16 games. Is this team real? That's the question. Well, right now, you keep winning games. Why not, man? Donovan Mitchell, great, great player. I love Donovan Mitchell. I remember his rookie year. He was outplaying Ben Simmons. And, uh, you know, he he's so electric on the court, man. Uh, you saw it in the bubble, and you even saw it before the bubble. He... He has a charge on his team. Every time he's on the floor, everyone looks to him to see what they're going to do next. You know, the ball moves through Donovan Mitchell. And Rudy Gobert, you know, call him a COVID spreader, whatever you want. He's a good, big banger. That's yeah. what he does, and he does it really good. And I, I love the way Utah's built. They were really upset pretty badly in the first round of the bubble when that happened. And I think right now they're looking for revenge. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at their roster, and you don't really see a, a, a defined star. There's no huge superstar. There's no LeBron James. There's no Joel Embiid. They have Rudy Gobert, who's one of the best defenders in the NBA. He's in line to win defensive player of the year every single time he steps on the court. You look at Donovan Mitchell, who's a proven outside shooter. Obviously, he's one of the most athletic guys in the NBA. And then you look at their point guard, pass first Mike Conley. I, like, I love the way that their team is built. I, I think that this is a team that if Donovan Mitchell can prove that he's going to be a consistent guy that can score the basketball, 25, 30 points a night. I know that's a lot to ask, but when it comes down to the playoffs and you're in a seven-game series, you've got to produce every single night. If he can do that, this team is dangerous. 100%, and it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, definitely looking forward to those, uh, to those Laker and uh, Jazz matchups over the uh, course of the season. So, moving on uh, from the NBA, we're going to go to, of course, the segment we do every single week, and we keep it coming Instagram questions, but before we do that, of course, don't forget, never forget to go ahead and check out our social medias on Instagram at official takes on tap. Our Twitter and TikTok is at uh, takes on tap show. Speaking of TikTok, do want to mention quickly over the weekend, uh, our TikTok that we uploaded went went viral a little bit. Went viral a little bit. Um, so we uploaded a TikTok um, over, over the previous week. You know, counting down to the Super Bowl. We did a series. It was the best Super Bowl moments. Go ahead, open your phone, go to TikTok right now, uh, at Takes on Tap Show. You'll find it. Um, so for one of the best Super Bowl moments, we decided to uh, do the Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson uh, halftime show performance in Houston for that Super Bowl. And that uh, halftime performance has a very special moment that happened during the show. Just, you know, hey. Not everything has to be on the field. This one just so happened to be the halftime show. But hey, our TikTok right now, I believe it's sitting at thirty-three thousand. Yeah. So. Uh, basically, you know, Janet Jackson had a wardrobe malfunction, and you know that 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 was the moment we showed. And the other ones have not taken off, but for some reason, and we can all figure out why, Janet Jackson's nip slip is the one that did the best views wise and likes wise. Uh, yeah. Right now, we sit at 30, thirty-three thousand views. And, you know, it's all because of Janet Jackson's nips. But yeah. the funny part is that it, you can't even see anything. We, we, we blurred it out because we did not want to get banned on TikTok. Right. Yeah, that's not And yet we for. still have 33,000 views. Hey, you know what? Big shout out to Ben. Yeah. We don't talk about Ben on the show, but hey, Ben... He, he wants to be a billionaire. Yeah, Ben wants to be a billionaire, but Ben is our intern. The guy's been working with us for about a month now. He's been doing some great work, getting, getting us a lot of NBA content. Moved over to TikTok, and he's been doing well. Obviously, the Janet Jackson one. Big shout out to you, buddy. Yeah, he wants to be a billionaire. Man. Yeah, he does. Uh, but okay, Instagram questions. Away from that, right? So our first question is coming from Carter, and he's asking us, uh, "What was the best Super Bowl commercial?" That's a tough one. I, you know what? I always like the Bud Light commercials. That's always me. That's me personally. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna put that at the top of my list. I'm curious to know what you're gonna say, but for me right now, I'm gonna say Bud Light until I. Until I, I think I think definitely the best Super Bowl commercial was the uh, Church of the Scientology. Oh, uh, you know, I mean, come on, like, one. Oh, how about a first man? 2021, you're watching the Super Bowl and you see an ad for the Church of Scientology. Uh, now, like over the past week, I've had a lot of people come to me and tell me to watch my back. Um, you know, various religious things have happened to me. Good, yeah. good and bad. Good and bad, but and, it's okay. You know, j- just to see the Scientology commercial was like, oh my goodness. Okay, cool. 
How about that? Tom Cruise, whoever is paying for that. Also, if you're on Netflix, go ahead and watch Surviving Scientology. Yeah, it's, a, it's an um, interesting one. Yeah, very interesting documentary. Scary. A little bit, yeah. So, and again, the, the fact that the Surviving Scientology documentary comes out, right, that comes out a couple months ago. And then the Church of Scientology airs an advertisement for their religion. Very, very weird. Very weird. But that's why it's the best in my eyes. It's not, it's not just quality or funny. It's just like you got to think about the big picture. Mm. Everything is about the big picture, but we did get a good share of Super Bowl commercials to, oh, this year. I loved the Doritos one. Oh, the Doritos the one. Matthew McConaughey one was hilarious. That was great. That was really, really good. So I think we were treated to a good spectrum of commercials this year, just like we usually were. So good for, good for us. For sure, for sure. All right, next question comes over from Johnny, and he is asking us, uh, was Justin Jefferson robbed of the Rookie of the Year? Uh, okay, well, yeah, just so you don't know, um, just, Justin Herbert was the, was the winner of the uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year, right? And a lot of people online were very upset. They believe that Justin Jefferson, rookie wide receiver for the Vikings, was snubbed. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys, but Justin Herbert is head and shoulders above Justin Jefferson. As good as he is, as good as Jefferson is, he's a very good wide receiver, told over 1,000 yards, got in the end zone, double digits, but... It's Justin Herbert. Yeah, here's it's my thing. Justin Herbert. <laughs> you can't say Justin Jefferson was snubbed because everyone knew that he was at least a a contender to Justin. He was the Herbert. second best rookie in this snubbed, class. Snub means that you didn't get any votes at all. You didn't get any recognition. So a snub would be like, hmm, I don't know, Xavier uh, Howard not getting a vote for de- for Defensive Player of the Year. That's a snub. Uh, I would just say that he he was. Robbed. I would say <laughs> I he was mean, robbed. Do you, not do you think he deserved to win it over Justin Herbert? Now, here's the thing. Uh, I think if you look at the actual stats, I think he put up a great case. Uh, you know, he wasn't even wide receiver one. He put up 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns. Right. But anytime you go up against the quarterback, you're going to lose. That's just the way this league works. Uh, the league's always looking for new quarterbacks, new faces. Think about it. Big Ben's going to retire soon. Drew Brees is gone. Uh, he's going to be gone soon. Phillip Rivers is gone. Tom Brady only has so much left. I know we say it every year, but it's going to happen, guys. Right? The league needs new quarterbacks, new faces. Justin Herbert, Rookie of the Year. Mr. Pepsi, Offensive Rookie of the Year. That's the face you want. Joe Burrow's hurt, but if Joe Burrow was around, he'd be a face as well. The NFL's trying to build new stars, and I'm sorry, the star is in your quarterbacks. And that's why every time you go, you, you go against a quarterback, you're going to lose. That's just the way it is. Um, and I, I think... You know, quarterback bias is real, but the fans online just need to understand that. You can't get upset because, again, you cannot take anything away from Justin Herbert. The fans online, you know, you know, complaining and whining that about Justin Jefferson need to sit back and really look at Justin Herbert. You're telling me he didn't deserve it? Yeah. He definitely did. He definitely did. And speaking of Justin Herbert in that class, how good was this quarterback class this year? Pretty good. The top three quarterbacks all are very, very good. Justin Herbert, Rookie of the Year. Joe Burrow, if he didn't get hurt, probably would have been top three. And Tua, we don't really know what his future is, but he's a very hey, solid quarterback as won well. Won eight games. He won eight games, and that's all you need from you your can't quarterback. Can't forget about Jalen Hurts too. Jalen Hurts, he's probably he might be the starter next year. He's going to be in a system. He's going to be in a system. The Nick Sirianni system. F- first part of being smart is knowing what to do. Mm. That's the first step to being smart. Thank you. We're going to have systems in place. We're going to have systems. 
systems in place. This is some roasted Nick Sirianni, and I'm I don't know if I'm here for it right now. But I want to get into something something else because this is about one of the awards. Alex Smith, no question, one comeback player of the year. A lot of people are saying online they should rename the award after Alex oh, Smith. Oh hell yes, hell, hell yes. yes. How could you not? Great story. I mean, the man almost gave his leg to football. He almost gave his life to football. Yeah. And comes back, he ooh. hobbles. I remember that first game. Oh, God. He came back, gets the rim. Destroyed by Aaron Donald, like three plays. We were at your we're place. Like, oh, my God. We were at your place. We saw Alex Smith is in. We turned the channel, and we were we were very scared. Yeah. Every time he took a snap and, and just moved, we were like, ah, ah. We put our hands up, and then Aaron Donald freaking pounced on him, jumps on his back, and we about had a heart attack. Yeah. I can't even describe how how he actually it's insane how he came back from what he came back from and it was so similar to joe theisman's injury same team same day yeah and same injury and joe theisman never played football again alex smith just played football and went to the playoffs that's nuts well i mean maybe you don't name it the alex smith comeback player of the year award but maybe you like do something with the military because honestly if it wasn't for uh you know the guys over at the uh veterans hospital uh alex smith wouldn't even you know be in the nfl right now because again if you watch the e60 documentary uh they were nice enough to let alex smith go rehab where the veterans rehab because that's like top-notch quality advanced care because those injuries are severe and that's how severe the injury was they let him rehab there and everything. So maybe you do something like that. You give proceeds to the Army or Army vets or something like that. Maybe you, you do something like that. Yeah, and I'm sure if this is ever brought up to Alex, and he's definitely going to be on board for this because, I mean, they saved his life and they saved his leg. And he's, he's able to go play career. the game he loves. And so He got to the playoffs, too. Yeah, I mean, he got to the playoffs. Um, did he have the best season in the world? No, of course not. He threw for more interceptions and touchdowns in the regular season while he was there. But... Look, he you, played a lot better than Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I mean, he beat out a young guy, no injuries, and that's that's called being a football player. And hey, I give him all the props in the world for that. Yeah, man, hundred uh, percent. But final question for for Instagram questions, uh, and this one is coming from Jack. Uh, Jack is asking us: uh, Is Tom Brady the greatest sports winner of all time? Is he the greatest winner? Of sports of all time, I'm gonna say a lot of ways you can answer this. Yes, is it like four major sports? Exactly, every sport, including individual sports. Pretty, that's a touchy subject there. It is, and I'm gonna say in the four major sports, he is, and there's no question about it. I don't think anyone really compares him in four major sports, but in all of professional sports, this is where it kind of gets interesting because. There's a huge comparison between Brady's seven Super Bowls, the way that he dominated for 20 years, in comparison to what we've seen in, you know, golf, tennis. What we saw from Michael Phelps. I have a good amount of names on this list. I have six names that I have on a list here of individual athletes who have dominated their respective sports. The first one, Tiger Woods. We all know about Tiger Woods, the way he dominated the early 2000s, 15 major titles. There's nothing you can do about that. Who came before him? Jack Nicklaus, another golf guy. Um, 18 major titles to his name. Most likely the most dominant player of his generation, no question. Moving on to tennis, there's two guys who have 20 major titles in men's tennis. That's Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer. They've played against each other for the last 15, 20 years, and they still both have 20 major titles. So for me, that's very incredible. And on the women's side, Serena Williams, 23 major titles, the most dominant athlete in all of women's tennis. And finally, Michael Phelps. We all know him as, you know, of course. one of the greatest athletes of all time. Best 23 in the world. 23 gold medals. And here's my argument. I The first five guys that I named are 
incredible athletes, right? But in that list, there's only one person that I think beats Brady in terms of success, and that's Michael Phelps, because he did it in, he did it, he did the, his first goal was in 2008 in Beijing, and that it only happens every four years. And the fact that he's able to get 23 gold medals and 28 total medals that's in that lot. short amount of time is insane. So that's why I would put Michael Phelps in front of Tom Brady, but that's my list. Michael Phelps one, Tom Brady two, the rest of them, you put them wherever you want. But that's yeah, it, it's pretty hard to compare an individual sport to a team sport because individual sport, that's all on you, right? Which is fantastic. Like you, you, win, you win the championship, you win the gold, whatever it is in, in that respective individual sport, that's all on you. Fantastic. But football is a team sport. You know, all the other four major sports are team sports. So you have to rely on other people to get the job done as well. Tom Brady can't do everything. Tom Brady can't play defense. Uh, he can do a lot, but he can do everything. So it's very hard to compare the two. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of just going to separate categories. I, I don't think you, you can compare an individual sport to a team sport like football. I, I don't think it's possible. Um, I, I would say that Tom Brady goes above Michael Jordan. It's hard. But he is above Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah. he, he definitely is. Seven seven rings versus six rings, if you want to take the simplest argument. And, well, he's played longer. Yeah. He's played longer. He's guy's 43 years old, Long and he's heavy. playing like he's 32. I mean, you think about all the guys. Look at the smile 40. on his face, man. Again, it's insane. Like, Tampa Bay Buccaneer Tom Brady is way more likable than New England Patriot Tom Brady. You know what would be the most insane thing? We know the, what, the oldest player in the NFL – um, I believe was Adam Vinatieri before he retired. He was 47 years old. I don't want to talk about that year because he kind of screwed us, but whatever. Adam Vinatieri is 47 years old. Tom Brady is only four years away from being 47. So are we in the conversation to say that Tom Brady is going to become the oldest player to ever play in the NFL? And the fact that he's a quarterback is kind of nuts. I think he would do it. I think the question just goes to whether a team would take the chance on it. Would the, you think the Bucks wouldn't keep him around? Like, here's the not, thing: if he doesn't succeed, who knows? If he doesn't succeed, then there's a question here. But from what we've seen, he's 43 years old. He won a Super Bowl just now. He won it at 41. I can't even describe this <laughs> it. It's anymore. just amazing, man. Like, it feels like I'm in a history book right now with Tom Brady. Because, geez, I just can't wait for all the you know football lives and. All the ESPN Everything. And you know what? I'm very intrigued to see what he does after football. What is this guy going to do? Nothing. Like, nothing. He's just going to... He, he's not going to go into commentary. No, I don't think he goes into commentary. Um, I What I did really enjoy with him was when they were doing the NFL 100 things and they were breaking down the teams, he came in for the quarterback one and he was talking about his relationship with Peyton and, and Brett Favre and he's talking with Belichick and I thought that was really cool. I can see him doing something like that. But the more realistic option for me... Wins another Super Bowl or two, retires, goes off into the sunset, maybe does something like Peyton does, but I don't know. Tom Brady's nuts. I don't know what we're going to do without him in, in football. Real quick, did you catch Peyton Manning's outfit at the Super Bowl? That was nice. Got a little orange blue. I, I, I'm not mm-hmm. or, what? what was up with the orange and the, whoa. And the blue? Whoa, 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 whoa. Orange blazer, blue pants. Whoa. I thought that was nice. What are you talking about? He, he, he stood out like a, like, like a sore thumb. It's Peyton. He can do whatever he wants. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, moving on to our final segment of the day. Uh, And again, we started this two weeks ago, right? Uh, Five teams a week. It's the MLB preseason power rankings. Uh, Last week, we were scared that uh, spring training would be, uh, you know, moved or postponed a month. Well, guess what? It is not. Spring training is happening on time. Regular season is starting on time. Uh, Nothing is going to be changed as of yet. And we're going to have a normal start. So we're going to continue our list. 
right? Last week, we gave you 25 through 21. This week will be 20 through 16. And real quick, I am excited for spring training. I cannot wait. I'm going to go to so many baseball games, man. I can't wait. I'm going to try to head to Tampa, watch the Yankees, go to West Palm Beach, watch the Marlins and the Astros. I, I can't wait for that. Oh, yeah. But before we talk about spring training, we'll get to that, of course. I want to hear your power ranks, and let's start with number 20. Yeah, number 20, uh, it's going to be the Cincinnati Reds. So, of course, last week we left off with the Brewers at 21, and at 20, it's the Reds. And I, I talked about how bad the NL Central is, and again, it just proves how bad the National League Central is. Uh, you know, the Reds, they took a win-now approach for one year, right, in 2020, and then they bailed on it. They were just disappointing. They weren't great. At all. Now Trevor Bauer's gone, right? Uh, Rasio Iglesias got traded. And now there, there's a shot that Sonny Gray or Luis Castillo, their, their top two guys in the rotation, could be traded as well. So, you know, the rotation got worse. And, you know, the bullpen has always been pretty shaky. So, again, their lineups weren't even that productive as well. So it probably won't be long before they, you know, start another rebuild. I don't have much faith in Cincinnati, but if that division's bad, they can probably make a run for something. Yeah, I mean, look, there's always a question like, hey, if your division's bad, it doesn't really matter how bad your roster is, but if you're Cincinnati, you should really be thinking past the fact that your division is not great. Yeah. you got to be able to get some guys. If, if all of your guys in your rotation are getting traded, the, what, like you're not set up for the future, and that's really the big, the big question, at least for me. Yeah, 100%. Uh, at 19, it's another... National League Central team, it's the Chicago Cubs, and the, unfortunately, the band is broken up. Kyle Schwarber's gone, Yu Darvish went over to San Diego, and John Lester's in Washington. That's it. Chris Bryant is has been chirped about getting traded since 2018. We don't know when it'll happen, but it's pretty probable. Uh, you know, also, Wilson Contreras, their, their star catcher, he might get moved as well. So, the band is getting broken up you know, week by week, it seems. And, um, you know, right now there's still enough talent to compete for for, for, for first place in, in the division, right? Or even a wild card spot. But, again, could their rotation compete? I don't think their rotation is strong enough. They lose John Lester. They lose Hugh Darvish, their, their top guy. All they really got is Kyle Hendricks. And they don't have any prospects. They shipped away a lot of their talent when they were trying to win those World Series in 2016. It worked, but at what cost? At what cost right now? So, again, um, I think they're heading toward a, re- toward a uh, much-needed rebuild. Uh, Joe Madden's been gone for a year. They have David Ross now. Um, really, the key for me is whether, you know, Chris Bryant gets moved or not to the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, you kind of look at That's the cycle. Yeah, I mean, you look at the cycle, right? You try to get to a World Series, so you try to bring in a, guy, a lot of veteran guys. You try to bring in guys that can help you win now, right? That cycle is going to end sometime. That 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 high point's going to end. You're going to have to rebuild and the cycle's going to keep starting. So, if I'm if you're Chicago, how like do you want to go and say, "Okay, let's just say scratch this year. We're going to start a rebuild now," or do you think they can actually compete in the playoffs this year? Just depends on the offer they get on Chris Bryant. If they get like a mega offer where you know they can get at least three or four prospects to jumpstart the rebuild, of course they're doing it. Otherwise, uh, I'm not really too sure. The 18th best team on our list is the Los Angeles Angels, and they should be better in 2021 uh, because they've made upgrades in the pitching staff. Right? Uh, they they have uh, Jose Quintana who they traded for. That was a great piece, and don't forget their lineup. 
Mike Trout, best player in baseball, Anthony Rendon, best third baseman in baseball, and Shohei Otani, who is really a, a nice slugger who can play a little bit of first base. Um, but again, the most important part is the pitching staff. Uh, can Alex Cobb uh, step up like he did in 2020 with the Orioles, right? Uh, they just traded for Dexter Fowler as well. He's got a good relationship with the uh, manager Joe Madden, and he can, you know, get some starts in the outfield while Joe Dell, their top prospect who's an outfielder, uh, just, you know, takes the time to, to develop. So, really, um, they would really benefit from getting another high-end bat or even starter. Uh, but right now, they, they're a playoff team if the playoffs expand. If they don't, I don't think it happens because the Oakland days are really good. The Astros are still good. And let's not forget, the American League East is so good that they're going to take up those two wildcard spots for sure. Uh, it's a real shame they didn't get Trevor Bauer. Really, it is. Because if they would have gotten Trevor Bauer, they'd be a lot higher on this list. Yeah, definitely. I'm very interested to hear the last two teams on your list because I know we talked about it last week. There's a little bit of a media controversy going on between these two teams, and I'm very curious to know where you put where you put these two. Yeah, so at 17, I have the Philadelphia Phillies, and can we stop pretending like the Phillies are good? Can we stop it? Like, seriously, it seems that disappointment in the Philadelphia Phillies have been close friends for the past three years. They have, right? They made big moves in 2020 after getting Bryce Harper in 2019, and they still didn't make the playoffs. Not even a 500 record. Not even a 500 record. They had a bullpen with the fourth most blown saves, 12 of them, and the worst ERA, right? That played a tremendous role in the team's failures. Grudgingly, I do love their new hire of their new GM, Dave Dombrowski. One of the first things Dave Dombrowski does when he gets to a team, he does it every time. Every time Dave Dombrowski, the baseball general manager, has taken the helm of a new team, the first thing he does is that he trades for a star closer. That's the first thing he does, and that's what he did. He added Archie Bradley and Jose Alvarado in the bullpen, which could really help them, right? So maybe, just maybe, the Phillies become a postseason threat, but I'm not too sure yet. Not too sure, because again, they do have Bryce Harper, they still have Reese Hoskins, um, Aaron Nola is tremendous, JT Ramuto is fantastic, and they got a lot of speed with Gene Segura and Andrew McCutcheon. So they're really good on paper, but can they just put everything together? I think they do this year, but also, Philadelphia, let's stop pretending like you were good, because you never were. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that Philadelphia fans are uh, really jaded about. But number 16, the final team on your list, and I know this one strikes home close to your heart, because they are which team? The Miami Marlins there are at go. 16 of my power rankings list. Um so I, I, I've been comparing my lists to other lists uh, on the internet. This is their highest ranking. They're only ranked at anywhere from 18 to 20. I put them at 16 because can we please give credit to Miami for blowing past everyone's expectations in 2020? Yeah, I'm talking to you, Braves fans. Mm. I'm talking to you, Philly fans. I'm talking to you, Met fans. We blew past everyone's expectations. Everyone's expectations. Uh, this team overcame a COVID-19 outbreak uh, with young players and you know MLB castoffs finding ways to help them rack up victories during the outbreak. And of course, uh, they did fade down the stretch, right? And they, they lost a couple games. Sometimes I, I wonder if, if, if this was a 162-game season and would, would they have not made the playoffs at all, that does boggle my mind. But their rotation was really good. Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, and Sixto Sanchez, those guys are phenomenal, especially Sixto Sanchez. That's a guy to keep your eye on. He was a you know solid rookie of the year contender, and I know he got his first playoff start, and he really 
didn't pitch well, but he's he was a rookie. Mistakes are allowed to happen, and he's only gonna get better. He's only gonna get better. This is this is an underrated rotation, and expect them to be competitive throughout the summer. If the Marlins are competitive throughout the summer, then expect the Marlins to make a trade for a big name in July at the deadline. Because if they're competitive, then Kim Ang can say, hey, okay. Since we're winning games, we're going to get a stud. They did it last year with Starling Marte. It worked out phenomenally. And again, if the Marlins can just stay competitive, they can shake up the NL East really, really bad. Yeah, and that's going to be the big question moving forward into the summer. Which teams are going to be able to make that push? Which teams are going to see can make that push? The, the NL East is the best division in baseball. Mm, it, that's it definitely true. That's definitely it true. It is. I mean, Washington won, won the World Series two years ago. Uh, you know, the Braves almost made the World Series. They they nearly beat the Dodgers. The Mets got better. They have so many more guys. And the Mets aren't even on this list yet, and neither are the Braves. But it just goes to show you how good the NL East is. Definitely, most definitely. I'm very excited to see it once we get to spring training, once we get back finally into the regular season, how these teams are I'm excited, are man. My headphones it's... are shaking. I'm like, pumped for baseball. <laughs> I need season. to go. I'm pumped. And Invader Coffee's in my blood. Baseball's coming. I am just out of this world beyond excited. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, you know, that does it for this week's show. And, again, we appreciate you guys tuning in every single week. We love it. We love the support. Don't forget to follow us on social media, on Instagram, at OfficialTakesOnTap, and on Twitter uh, and TikTok, TakesOnTap Show. Of course, don't forget to send love to Belly Up Sports. We love Belly Up Sports, our sponsors, our, our network partners. Uh, again, this was a Takes on Tap show powered by Belly Up Sports. Check out Desolate, the outro and intro music, in the show notes below. Scott Kirk, Brandon Daniels. This was a Takes on Tap show powered by WF Sports. I'ma knock it out the park, Louisville Slugger. Got a chick wearing crop top, nothing else under. Drop a gear, speed and pass, finish first, burn rubber. Get your girl off of me, bro. No, I don't want her.